Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. We've subbed in the old head as the new one has unfortunately have prior commitments, but I promise I will try and give everything I can on my brief return to the hot seat. Uh, but only seven matches this weekend in league, um, but there was no loss in excitement as Ren take first place. Monaco scored for the first time, but still have fewer goals than red cards. And in the absence of Neymar, then Cavani, then Mbappe, Eric Maxim Chupomoting steps up to carry PSG to a 4 0 win over Toulouse. We discuss all that and look forward to this midweek, well, this week's midweek games that were postponed due to the G7 meeting in France. Joining me, as always, in this edition, it will be Rich Allen and Mohamed Ali. Glad to have you both with me, gents. How are you both? Good, thanks. Uh, yeah, really good. Thanks, Nathan. Great, great to have you on, as always. And we'll start with the champions, Paris Saint-Germain, who got that great win 4-0 over Toulouse. A nice bounce back after their defeat to Rennes last week, Rich. But at the same time... <laughs> There's worries, there's injuries, not just for Cavani and Mbappe, as we've mentioned at the start, but also potentially for Diallo. We've had further news of how long they'll be out as well. And that, especially with the Champions League coming up, um, could be the real factor of this game rather than the result. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was a a pretty comprehensive win uh, in the end for PSG, uh, 4-0. And they were made to work a little bit for it. Toulouse put up a bit of a fight uh, in the first half, but in the end, PSG sort of cruised home. But yeah, it, 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 it's come at a cost. Um, they lost Cavani and they lost Diallo very early on uh, with injuries. And perhaps then the biggest worry of all then was in the second half. Um, Mbappe pulled up with what looked like a, a hamstring injury, um, sort of running for running for the ball. And yeah, you could just see it go, held the back of his, back of his leg. And... Um, yeah, he sort of limped off and it's been announced that, that both he and Cavani will be missing for, for up to a month um, for the pair of them. And that, yeah, that's a big blow. Um, I have seen some people say, um, you know, it, it, if they're going to suffer injuries, it's probably best to to sort of get it out of the way now rather than that, that business end of the season a la Neymar. Um, but yeah, it's big blows. Um, there's obviously still a little bit of of, of time left in the transfer window if they did want to to do anything. I, I can't expect them unless there's any further tests to be taken and there's there's concerns it could develop into something more long term. I don't expect them to to dip into the transfer market and and uh, and bring in anybody. But yeah, I mean obviously with with the Neymar situation up in the air to say the least. Um and now Mbappe and Cavani out it and I know he passed the test with flying colours, but it puts that pressure on Chupo Moting to come into that side and, and sort of be that and carry that goal-scoring burden, which, considering he's going to have to carry it for Cavani and Mbappe, is is quite some weight, I think, to carry on his shoulders. But they're going to look at the likes of Di Maria to step up uh, in their absence. They're going to need players like Draxler um, as, as well to come into the fray. So there's uh, it, it is a loss. Um, that win, um, it's what they needed, obviously, after the defeat last week. Um, so, yeah, I think the next few weeks, it'll be a little bit of a challenge uh, for, for PSG, obviously, to lose players of that calibre, even with the squad that, that PSG have got, leaves them exposed to other teams. 
Yeah, and it's it's the opportunity for, like you say, the, the may, players you mentioned, and maybe even Pablo Salabria as well, maybe to finally get off the mark a little bit more with a with a bit of space. Obviously, a, a different player to the ones they've lost. But I, I just wanted to quickly say on, on Mbappe's injury, at least, um, uh, we've talked about how remarkable it has been for the for the youngster to not really pick up any serious injuries, and a, a hamstring one for for a month or so is not necessarily the most concerning but when you do think of other players that had the incredible speed he has and had these kind of injuries recur on them is it maybe that moment where we take a a short stab of breath and think that thank god it was no worse and let's hope that it's not something that does reoccur because they especially with a player of his capabilities and speed it it could really hamstring him and let's hope that it, it doesn't do that yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, he, you know, he's going to be out for about three to four weeks, um, having you know kept um, a decent record uh, injury-wise um, in his two, three seasons of professional football. Um, and PSG fans, of course, like you mentioned, will be, you know, having a bit of relief uh, in that it's not going to be uh, a long spell out or or, or a serious spell out. Um, but one thing to consider is that they play Leon. Um, within that time frame, with with both Cavani and Mbappe out, and obviously I think the onus is that they're not going to rush him back. Particularly that they have def- definitely very winnable fixtures coming up, including the first round uh, in the Champions League. We'll find out who they play later this week. Um, but to have um, Mbappe uh, not 100 uh, percent in a game that should take place about three weeks from three or four weeks from today um, will be. Will be will be a challenge because I think the result last night showed that PSG um, steadied the ship very very well considering the the cost um, that they endured in terms of injuries um, and they would want to you know notch up the wins. I've got you know Metz and Strasbourg coming up next and then the Champions League. So ahead of Lyon, I think they just want everybody to sort of be all guns blazing, um, no mishaps. So. There'll be there'll be a couple of uh, difficult choices for Tuchel to make uh, coming up, and obviously Mbappe being uh, injured uh, doesn't exactly come at the best time. Obviously, it's better now than like Rich said um, than in March, April, or May. Um, but but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it always makes your heart skip a beat when you think to Brazilian Ronaldo and and Michael Owen, who were really gifted players with pace as well, and those hamstring injuries really um, took their toll on them in time. But it, it wasn't all negatives, I suppose, at the end of the day after the game in terms of for PSG, because there was finally a debut for finally the defensive midfielder they maybe needed in Idrissa Gay. Rich, how how did he get on? Uh, he got on. He's gonna. It's it's a difficult game for him to. To, to be judged upon. I mean, he did all that he was expected to, to be asked of. We're not going to necessarily see him perform at his peak until until tougher challenges come their way. So, as, as Mo says, the Leon game is, is, is coming closer now. So, a game like that where in recent meetings between the two teams, obviously midfields have slightly changed in that PSG will have Adrissa Gay and, and Leon have obviously lost... And Dombele, but I think that in those recent meetings between the two, the Leon midfield has managed to get on top of the PSG midfield. So I think that is where we will start to see the impact that that the, the positive impact from PSG's point of view that Adrissa Gay can can bring to the team. So it's it it was never going to be the game. It's a nice game for him to to make his debut. You know, Toulouse are not going to be 
a particularly attacking team. They're not necessarily a possession-based team that are going to try and break down uh, PSG, that, especially with the game at the Parc des Princes. So it was a very comfortable evening for Idrissa Gade. There will be tougher challenges coming up. Um, and it's really those big games and those you know, the big Champions League games where the lack of a defensive, a sound defensive midfielder was was so obvious in recent seasons. It's those games, I think, where we will where we will see is Adrissa Gay the answer to those problems. But as far as as far as last night's game goes, it 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 was just a, a you know it was a bit of a stroll for him, a nice easy way to to get into uh, get into the uh, league and football. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure that he'll be pretty pleased that he got to face a Toulouse side that have started okay points-wise, but maybe not performance-wise, Mo. This, in essence, is really one of those games they just kind of want to get out of the way and, and concentrate on the, the games, on the the teams around them, but they didn't put up much of a fight. They didn't really create an enormous amount, but uh, at least they would have been more pleased with the four points they got beforehand rather than this game in, in, in its entirety. Yeah, absolutely. They weren't, you know, expected to pull up any trees. Although, somewhat curiously, I, fa- I thought that PSG played much better in the first half when they had nothing to show for it, and in the second, uh, when they when they scored four. But Toulouse were pretty hapless in the second half, and you know, a bit unfortunate to give away a penalty that was reviewed by VAR, um, the handball, um, as well as um, uh, you know the uh, having having conceded their goal as well. They were just a bit listless as well going forward and just sort of submitted uh, to the hosts um, in the second half, which is a bit disappointing considering that they did sort of, you know, absorb the Parisian attack, especially in the first 20 minutes when Kylian Mbappé really did have the rub of the green. Um, So, yeah, like you mentioned, the first four points um, were very key um, that they started the season relatively okay, even though they haven't created or sparkled at all. having only scored two goals as well in the first three matches, um, which sort of gives you, you know, which sort of follows sort of the, the script that they were on last season. And then, you know, now they've got a tricky couple of games coming up, including sort of San Etienne and as well as trying to chain the home victories uh, that they managed last week against Dijon. So we'll see how it goes. But obviously, you know, at the end of the day, it was, you know, a status quo, straightforward victory for Paris Saint-Germain. The, yeah. the, I think the, the the Toulouse game plan I think was pretty obvious from from the get go really when you saw that that Dosevi and uh, and Saeed their sort of big summer signing both started on the bench um, you know it was fairly clear then that they were just going to go there um, just just try and put up a wall and just try and frustrate PSG and and for the most part it worked in the first half uh, yes PSG got through once or twice but. They they really did do a, a a pretty decent job of of frustrating PSG and maybe PSG's just lack of of, of composure in the in the in the penalty area as well helped them out. But um, it did sort of fall away in in the second half. Uh, I did feel a little bit sorry for for Matthew Gonçalves, who's eighteen year old defender who had a bit of a bit of a nightmare game, scored the own goal, conceded the penalty. Um, but you know, uh, sorry, Toulouse are, are a team that that you know do give um, and, and do produce some really good young players and give them a chance. So um, I'm, I'm obviously all for that, and I hope that uh, a performance like that doesn't uh, doesn't affect Young Gonçalves too much. 
Yeah, let's hope so. Absolutely. Just before we we move on to the next game, it, it, it's cropped up a couple of times this weekend, as in Liga and, and in Liga, and that there has been sort of stoppages by the referees due to homophobic chanting. Now, there's been um, a couple of different um, attempts by by fans to, to to sort of say their part in it in in the sense that it's it's a it's it's not well I, I wouldn't necessarily put any words in anyone's mouth but the 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 the, the Paris Saint Germain border was saying you're swimming against the tide and that's the the feeling in is it amongst supporters at the moment at least mm. anyway that it's it's too difficult to crack down Mo but at the same time that France have taken seem to start taking a stance on this and it's moving in the right direction and if it is swimming against the tide it's a tide that's that's right to swim against yeah no absolutely you know i think everyone would agree that there's no place in the sport for for homophobic chance or chance of any other derogatory nature um but you know just to just identify a lot of people um were uh, sort of pointed out on twitter during the league de game that was stopped last week uh, i think it was a nazi fixture uh, which the referee actually stopped the game uh, for the first time um, um, because of alleged homophobic abuse uh, coming from stands where a lot of the fans that were at the stadium had complained that it actually hadn't been homophobic abuse and um, it was sort of calling out the LFP. And that's sort of something that's trickled into and followed uh, the games this weekend where the fans are, or you know, the ultras or the ones that are more vociferous are pointing out that it, you know, the LFP might be using the, you know, this sort of, you know, furore about homophobic chanting to mark, chanting to mask against, you know, fans calling out the league um, because of certain policies, because of their, um, you know, attitude towards the ultras and pyrotechnics and all that sort of stuff. The bottom line is, is that. There, there is, and there's any, everyone that's been to a football stadium, um, especially in uh, in the last couple of months and years, will know that we've all heard um, chanting of that nature. And it's only right that uh, sort of the league takes a bottom line approach uh, to that, and we can only applaud. Obviously, like Christoph Galtier said today in the press conference uh, for Lille, um, it will be quite irritating, so you know, to use a word for 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 as the manager calls it um for games to be stopped several times a game every game um and it's a difficult way to process it but we'll see what initiatives can come out of it and hopefully you know the, the fuel of being in the news at the moment will sort of push fans to start thinking twice about their behavior into uh, when they do attend the football game to focus 100 percent on cheering for their own teams rather than anything else i think i think the uh, the outcome of the um, the inquiry into what sort of punishment will be handed out at club level. I think that's due to come out uh, early to mid-September. Um, so how um, how the LFP uh, sort of hand out any punishment at club level will be interesting to see, uh, you know, whether there will be sanctions and, and what... Uh, and what manner those sanctions will take. Will it be fines? Will it be, you know, stadium bans? Will it be... Uh, you know, partial closures of of, of uh, areas of the ground, um, and I suppose ultimately, in the most severe cases, it can even be points deductions. So that will will potentially give us a give us an idea of of how severe this is being taken um, across the board at the LFP. But ultimately, the, the you know the message needs to be is just you know there, there, as Mo says, there's no place for those kind of those kind of chants. 
uh, or anything similar in the in the game. So if if the hard line is well, games get stopped, then then games get stopped, and you know people need to learn that there there will be repercussions for 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 their club if they if they do those uh, dreadful chants. No, that's absolutely right, Richard. And and I kind of understand what the fans are saying in terms of this when we get to tide. It's it's such a prevalent thing within the songs which is is completely wrong but to, to, to completely stop it would take a, a great deal of time and effort but it is these scenarios where they are the fans are so lax about it and, and do it so often that it discourages those that do feel like they want to come out whether they are, are gay or bisexual or or anything uh, uh, sort of on the spectrum for the for the lgbt community and it's um these kind of things that stop them especially in the men's game at least for from happening so uh, and we all mentioned that there's a greater atmosphere for it now in, in england they, they're always mentioning that players would well commit but it's, it's still that matter of the fans getting sorted and i'm glad that france maybe are taking the first step of anyone to to do something about it but let's go from one uh horrible subject to, to one horrible team and that's uh monaco at the moment unfortunately they they drew to two at the weekend they finally got some goals under their belt a little bit more but they still have more red cards than back of the net strikes at the moment but uh, rich first goals for Salamani and Benyetta, the two strike forces that they they brought in a great start for them. And so so at least positives on one end of the field. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think if you if you're Monaco, you have to really really grasp at those at the moment um, because there aren't too many of them around. But yeah, as as a as a partnership, first time playing together, um, I, I thought they looked good. Obviously, we know what we're going to get. From Ben Yedder, um, the style of, of, of player he is, puts in a lot of effort. Um, is uh, is a very clever player in and around the box for for finding space and those late runs in. And that's exactly how he he nicked the goal. He was alert and was was by far and away the fastest to react to a loose ball. Um, so you know, it, as far as a positive goes, yeah, they work really. They work together really well. Slimani never really made a success of his of his move to Leicester. Um, maybe there were question marks uh, over his move to Monaco. And was this a sort of panic signing from Monaco? But uh, in terms of performances, you know, one game, uh, one goal, a promising looking uh, partnership with Ben Yedder. So as far as that goes, yeah, you've got to give that a, a big tick. Yeah, the problems, though, Mo, are still on the other side of the, the ball, really, and, and keeping them out and giving it the had a 2-0 lead they they managed to somehow work out how to throw it away and there was another red card some more indiscipline for them this time Jemison who's had a pretty dreadful start of the campaign in in midfield at the moment it seems and there are even talks of of extending his contract but he's an example of where they're failing at the moment isn't he yeah no absolutely there was just you know for the third game running uh, a show of indiscipline um in that, you know, they've got another red card, which hampered their quest for three points. And if you look, I mean, I think it was to be expected with the number of signings and movements that they've had or still to have in the last sort of week or so that the team will be disjointed and they do need to gel, especially with a couple of new faces coming into the side every single week. Um, and while it worked up front, um, you know, in that Islam Silvani scored his first goal, um, there's still sort of work to work to do, but sort of the manner in which they gave up two goals, having led in a comfortable position where they've got goals on the board and hopefully three points on the board, uh, scuppered it away. And I'll refer you to the second goal of Neem, 
where the ball was collected, you know, within a six-yard uh, box in between uh, two defenders, Camille Glick being one of them. Um, and just how easy was it to beat the goalkeeper from that position? Uh, it was just lax defending all round. Um, and whether Jemison was on the field or not, it didn't help. But speaking of Jemison, it was just, you know, you know, he's on a bit of a decline. He's not matched the levels that uh, he showed a couple of uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and, you know, with Monaco bringing in Badia uh, Shile, who's, who's, you know, capable of holding a spot with Camel Glick, who's, I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, cup captain now, or was at least captain for uh, recently. Um not doing too badly in terms of decline and Jonathan Panzo still um, in the mix, but perhaps a bit too early. You must have think that, you know, they'll be able to move Jemison on or at least divert some of the millions that they're keen to spend in bringing in um, some more apt defensive cover uh, because, you know, they've missed, they missed a good opportunity to steady the ship on, on Saturday. Yeah. And I think what was, what was interesting with Jemison was, uh, yeah, th- first two games of the season he was playing midfield. He's playing at right back um, against Nîmes, and I mean it, it shows the the sort of desperation levels or uh, sort of stubbornness of Jardine maybe because obviously Aguilar was was out suspended, um, and they were left then with 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 playing Jemison at right back. And you just think, I mean he's he's not performed well probably ever since that title winning season. Um, you know, him and Glick obviously had a fantastic partnership, but but he has been a problem. Um, and he's certainly been him and Glick, I think, have been major, major concerns for some time now for Monaco. Um, incidentally, I would also add that the red card for Jemison was the first, um, and probably the only one of the three that they've had this season that was warranted. Uh, it was a it was a nasty challenge, it was studs up, it was um, sort of down the leg. Um, so it, it was entirely warranted, um, and you just think, okay, he's out of the squad now. Um, you know, he's out of the squad for the next few games, suspended. If I'm perfectly honest, yes, they probably put themselves in a hole with making Glick captain and and seemingly forcing Falcao into a move away. Um, but I have to think it can't get any worse. So why not let Badiashile? Why not let Panzo play together? See if they can forge a partnership. We've seen plenty of other teams throw two youngsters in at centre back and they can't they genuinely can't be any worse at the minute Monaco are are conceding goals left right and centre so why not put those two youngsters in show them that you've got faith in them show them okay go out there play well you know show me that you've got uh, you've got something that you can you can take on that responsibility um because as i say it, it, they they cannot get any worse um uh, Monaco are a complete mess at the moment. You know, they they seem to be buying players without really... Ben Yedder, I think, was probably the, the first signing that, that sort of made sense. Um, Lecomte and Aguilar will probably prove to be pretty competent. I think Lecomte had a relatively decent game after two slow starts. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they're just a mess. I'm not liking the midfield. Uh, they've brought back Adrian Silva. I'm not sure if that's a right move. Golovin seems to be a bit of an enigma. Gelson Martins hasn't looked the same for quite some time now. Um, there's there's a lot of players to come back, um, but there's still a lot of players there that you just think, 
you know, you've been there long enough now. You just, you know, Adama Traore, I was a big fan of his when he moved to Monaco. Obviously, injuries have blighted his time there, but he's failed to kick on. Yet he was, you know, he, he had playing time um, at the weekend. And there's just a lot of players there that you just think the Monaco of, you know, under sort of the Louis Campos era would have moved those players on by now, freed up space in the squad, freed up some money, freed up some, um, you know, money from wages as well. But they haven't. They're still there. They're still not performing. Jardim is still being a, a really stubborn coach, seemingly afraid to admit that that some of his key senior players are letting them down. And unless he admits that and takes action by not playing them, by dropping them, by giving faith in, in younger players or better players or other players at least, then Monaco is continually going uh, to disappoint and could be in for, well, not could be, it looks like they will be in for another really uh, uncomfortable season. Yeah, and we know well, I've got... Oh, go sorry, ahead, Nathan. Sorry, go ahead. Nathan. Like, I, you know, like I just added on to uh, what Rich said, um, you know, they're already in a bit of a bit of a mire at the moment, uh, even though it's obviously just three games of the season, but the fact they've already conceded eight goals um, and don't see, you know, don't seem to be uh, anywhere near a uh, sort of, uh, you know, a bit of redemption in, in, in gaining some exciting results. You look at the calendar and what they've got next as well. Um, Strasbourg away and then Marseille, um, which might be a, a, a six pointer. Um, boy, both teams think uh, seasons are going and then Ram, uh, Rams away and then uh, Nice at home. Um, and out of those four games, I, I'd be very surprised if they get anything more than say four or five. Um, in that, in that timeline, which at that point they could be in some serious trouble with even Jardin looking at whether he'd be able to keep his job, I believe. Yeah, and just let people that have not listened to the preview show this season know about my punditry career. I saw Monaco would be quite good this season, but um, <laughs> never mind. It's, it's, there's a reason why he put me off more often, but it, I just felt like I also mentioned at that time that we would see what Monaco were in the first few games, and if they were struggling within five games, Jardim probably would jump before he's pushed again because it's the only way to save uh, his reputation, really. And and. The, the selections in midfield screamed to me that he was looking for players in and there, like you mentioned, Rich, Adrian Silva's in, but is he going to be the man to, to really galvanise them in a sort of defensive sense? And if the fact Jemison's played in midfield is pretty funny and then it's even worse that he's been awful and he's deserved a red card this weekend and it seems to be festering into the players they've brought in. I mean, Aguiar got sent off last weekend a little harsh, but also a little stupid. And Lecomte's made a number of mistakes. We've seen Lorient Lecomte rather than Morant Pellier Lecomte so far. It's It seems to be moving into a fair few of them. But I do want to talk a little bit about Neem because it's great to see them come back as well. And especially this season, we, we were really worried about them, though, after losing some really big players in Tiub and, and Buanga. Um, but they've, they've started OK, maybe not got the points to show for it, but have not been um, sort of the punching bag we maybe expected. And, and two assists for uh, Zinedine Ferhat, who we thought might be a, a decent signing, and is showing that maybe he is um, the creative spot to replace those those two that have uh, gone out the door. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ferhat, uh, I think somebody mentioned in one of the comments section a couple of weeks ago, um, a player to look out for, obviously, he's, he had such a really good assist record last season. He was very, very good um, on Saturday at Stade Louis um, picked up the assists, especially a really, really neat one for Phil Porto's first goal. Um, and definitely looks sort of the sort of player that um, 
can hold his own in the top flight. And I think mirrors sort of Polanga's rise last season as well. So, like, I, I definitely agree. They don't look like the punching bags that people had assumed, uh, people like myself. Um, and, you know, you, I think we've learned a lot from their first three games in that, you know, they've played three three tough fixtures, um, uh, you know, PSG, Monaco and, and Nice, um, and done relatively okay, um, especially with uh, you know, a, a squad that is yet to grow together. Um, but there's definitely the building block and the platform to build in September and and going forward. So we'll see how they go. Um, and I think that they'll start sort of rising up the table in the next few games uh, with yeah. Farhat leading the line. Yeah, let's hope it's going to be a, an interesting season where they're, 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 they're at least competing. That's what we're all about. We don't want someone drift a lot. And and the, the players they lost, you, you, you're worried about that. But a, a great comeback at the weekend. Uh, let's go through the rest of the games that actually did kick off this weekend obviously the G7 summit sort of um, putting words to a couple of games that we'll speak about a little later uh, Rich I have to go to you obviously for the first one because Ren are, are top of the table with a perfect record so far um, it, it's great for them it's a great result against a Strasbourg side that managed to beat Frankfurt in midweek as well during the Europa League qualifying which is terrific for them but um, a little bit of a come down but they may be resting for, for next week but uh, you must be as high as a kite Absolutely, yeah. No, it was another. It was a decent performance. I don't think it was perhaps at the same level as the PSG game last week, but um, it was. It was another clinical display. It was another, um, you know, defensively resolute display. Um, Grenier got the opening goal. Fantastic goal. I thought it's quite an underrated goal. I think the the ball in from from Borrego, It was fantastic um, to, to sort of crossfield ball to find Grenier running into the box literally pin perfect to have dropped down just over the over the defender. Grenier took it on his chest, a couple of touches to create space and finished it well. Um, then Strasbourg came into the game a little bit. Uh, Edouard Mendy was 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 playing his first game for Rennes since his move from Rouse and, and showed just why he was such a fantastic goalkeeper last season. Um, he made a string of excellent saves in the first half and then to top it off, saved his first ever Liga and penalty. Um, he didn't save any during his time of Rams. First game for Ren and saves one. So quite a good omen. Uh, he had a, he had a really good game. I thought he looked really solid. Um, will we'll invoke a, a lot of confidence, I think, from the defence, knowing that they've got a, you know a, a goalkeeper of of his level. That's not to say Kubek wasn't, but certainly last season we saw errors creeping into his game. Edouard Mendy seems to have started where he left off last season. Um, in being such an excellent keeper, so that that's really promising. Um, and Yang continued his 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 good his decent run of form of of not particularly playing fantastically well, but picking up goals. Um, and just as it was against PSG, it was Hamari Traore that 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 set him up with a really good run down the right, uh, an excellent cross I thought to find him, and a, a scuff first time effort from Young. Um, found the back of the net, so two nil. Uh, Strasbourg finished with 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 ten men, and Dua was was uh, sent off with a second yellow. Um, and in the end, it, it was relatively comfortable, uh, I think, for Rennes. Strasbourg, yes, were resting a few players. Kenny Lala was on the bench. Uh, Ludovic Ajort was on the bench. Uh, so they clearly got one eye on on that that uh, return fixture in in Frankfurt this week. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's been a superb start from Ren. I think that you have to go back to 
think it's the 1950s for Ren to have made a good as, as good a start as they have. Uh, three wins from three. Uh, only one goal conceded. It's a silly goal that was their own fault in the PSG game. Um, but really, really promising. I'm really enjoying how well um, organised they're looking. You know, Julian Stefan is, has clearly found the formation that works for him. It's it's a three or five at the back, depending on on how the game is going. And there's two players I want to sort of single out for for, for particular praise. Um, obviously, first two games we were all Camavinga crazy, uh, rightfully so. Um, you know he had uh, he had absolutely outstanding games, and obviously all the focus is on him. This wasn't this was certainly the weakest of his three games by some distance. Um, you know there were a couple of times that he lost the ball, a couple of stray passes, but that's fine. You know we we, we allow him that. That's zero problem with that. There's, those games are going to happen. Um, but two players I really wanted to single out. Uh, uh, Clement Grenier, I think, has had a really good start to the season. Um, you know, especially with with someone like Camavinga in midfield, Grenier is going to be looked upon to be that senior figure. We know all know about his 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 range of passing, his his uh, his shooting from distance uh, ability. He's we know he's got that, but he's he's staying fit now. He's playing well. He's thriving with that responsibility. Really good goal at the weekend, so I'm really good, to, uh, really glad to see him playing well. And the other one then is, is Jeremy Jana. Um, you know, he, him, and him and Joris Nyanyon, who we'll talk about later, I'm sure, formed a really good partnership two seasons ago uh, when they were playing four at the back. Then Nyanyon left. Jelan, I think, struggled, couldn't really build that partnership, uh, and then fell out of uh, fell out of favour and, and lost his place in the starting eleven. But he started all three games. Uh, he plays as the centre of the three at the back. Um, certainly the most mobile of the three, uh, and, and is is more than happy to to sort of cover the lack of pace, if you like, with from De Silva and Jeremy Morel. But I've been really, really encouraged by 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 Jalan's performances. I thought he was excellent against PSG. A little unheralded, unheralded, I think, and perhaps overshadowed by Camavinga. But I thought the game at the weekend again, he was excellent. You know, we've seen errors from De Silva in the PSG game. We saw Morel concede the penalty um, uh, against Strasbourg. But Jelan is there. He's not making mistakes. He's looking really assured at the back. Distribution is really good. So I'm really, really pleased to see him back at his best. I think there's just two players there that uh, perhaps haven't received the, the, the praise that they're due. Yeah, and it just gets better and better, doesn't it, with Yanyon coming back into the fold as well. Um, really going to be interesting to see how Ren goes. And let's keep our hopes up for Strasbourg as well. Tremendous result to get that 1-0 win at home. Not concede away goal. They head to Frankfurt, who've bought in Bastos to try and give them a bit of an extra edge in that game. But if they can just score in Germany, it's going to be a real chance for them to get Europa League football, which... I'm sure a lot of us doubted um, when the draw was made. Uh, let's run through these games in a little bit. Uh, Mel, uh, Brest managed to pick up a really good win at the weekend against Reims, who were uh, not at their best necessarily and have been middling to start the season. But for the hosts especially, three three sort of really good performances that the first two didn't show enough that they deserved, but the third one certainly did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they're now, you know, on to five points, unbeaten, and have picked off uh, a home side who, who had a clean sheet in their first two games, most notably claiming the scalp of Marseille in the in the opening weekend. And 
you know, they've quietly been resolute. They've been very formidable, um, uh, you know, in midfield, um, in defence as well, in that they've kept um, the opposition out um, for, for, for long periods, although that this game was heading towards uh, a rather unremarkable goal of straw uh, before Autre, Matthias Autre, uh, the, the captain of Brest, he's, He's he's had a, a really good start to the season and he's picked out uh, Charbonnier, who scored, um, I think it was 26, 27 goals last season in Ligue 2 to claim the winner five minutes from time. But it's 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 just reward for a team who have played with the same identity since the first game um, and have just been, you know, hard working back into the top flight and picking points where necessary. And it's this sort of stability um, and sort of good natured you know, approach to the game. Um, that will hold them in good stead going forward. Um, and a lot, a lot of people had them down, um, at, you know, in their predictions list as 19th or 20th. So for them to have started uh, this well is a very, very good sign for Dalolio. Yeah, really is. And um, let's hope that Ras uh, can be a bit better than they have been in the last couple of weeks, not being quite attacking enough, we maybe say. But uh, someone who, who did bounce back nicely and, and were attacking enough is Angers. Rich, who managed to get a 3-0 win against Mets there, but back to, grow, uh, to reality after their win against Monaco last week. But... Some may have feared that after their heavy, heavy defeat to Leon, that that might not their confidence. But if anything, Angers did what they do best, dusted back off and got back on the horse. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good performance. Obviously, um, having also now lost Jeff Rayner Adelaide as well, it was important to see how they would play um, without him. Uh, who would be that source of creativity? Who would be the source of goals? Uh, three different scorers in this game, and they were helped by by Mets being not particularly fantastic, shall we say. Um, Mets had a lot of possession, but just really, really struggled to create anything. Uh, Angers, on the other hand, were very efficient, took their chances. Um, Santa Maria, I thought, was an excellent, uh, had an excellent game, uh, got a goal. Really important that they keep hold of him. Now, most of the most of the, the, the uh, rumours linking with the move away were into English clubs. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but there is interest from other teams. So uh, I think it's really important. And maybe with, with the Reynard laid cash, they're, they're not quite as much in a position as a need to sell. But, you know, if they get a you know, 10 million offer for Santa Maria, it'll be interesting to see whether they can resist that or not, because I thought he was excellent. And I don't think they can afford to lose any more key players. Um, they, they can operate by losing one key player a season and they seem to keep unearthing players. Now, they've lost Rainer Adelaide. I don't think they can afford to lose Santa Maria. Um, I also thought Ike Nuri had a really good game as well. Um, he's a name that that many people um, uh, will have heard of as a, as a really bright, young, um, uh, emerging left-back. Um, he, he feels like he's been around for quite a long time, but he's, only, he's still only 18. Uh, he registered his first assist. Uh, a really good, um, a really good cross. Um, Santa Maria then got the second, uh, aided aided really by um, by Okija in the in the in the Mets goal, having an absolute mm. mare. Um, clearly thought the shot was going wide, yet it, it it was a good foot inside his post. So a big <laughs> error of judgment on his part. And then Ali Ali, um, see a summer signing from Neen. Um, he, uh, I think he registered, I think it was his first goal. 
um, a pretty decent finish. But yeah, a really good response, I thought, from Angers. It was important that they put in this kind of performance. Uh, you if, know, I could, you... if I could just tag in there, Rich, um, yeah. because you know you have to also look at, because I also saw a bit of this game, um, and I thought Angers were, were very, very good. Obviously, you know, they've got such a formidable home record, and it's not an easy place to play um, that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're for Mets or PSG. And um, the fact that both teams had such a sort of contrasting results last weekend in that Angers were walloped 6-0 and Mets looked very, very formidable against Monaco and then put them against each other. And Angers looked at least 10, 20% sort of more for you know sharp uh, than their opponents because I thought it was a com- you know relatively complete performance from the hosts um, in that Mets really really offered little which surprised me a little bit. Yeah, really really interesting game that they they sort of flipped one week and then flipped back the other week. But that does show that Angers can bounce back from uh, losing Jeffrey and Adelaide as well, which is a a real positive for them. Uh, let let's quickly get on to the the other games as well. But very quickly for you, Mo, Bordeaux finally get off the mark two 0 winning against Dijon, who um, still can't really get in the groove of things at least anyway first goal for um we drew Hying as well which is great for them and Loris Benito getting the the second uh, finally a little bit of movement for Bordeaux yeah no um two two very very nice goals as well um Huang um who you know is relatively new signing did had a nice curling effort very early into the game and uncharacteristic from Bordeaux they shot out the game uh, very very quickly just Seconds into the second half from a corner, Benito, who I think was harshly criticised uh, early on in the season as a sort of a, a nothing signing or, you know, a player that wasn't expected to do uh, pull up any trees or might have already been overshadowed by um, further additions to the back line, uh, not not least Koscielny. Um, he did score a really nice score from the corners, more of a sort of a half volley type uh, swing of the foot. Um and you know this is this is a result that Bordeaux needed to win if they were going to, you know, have a sit relatively serious season if they were going to write a couple of wrongs and it's enabled them to you know put three points on the board, um, and crucially you know start to pick up some decent performances away from home. You know they controlled the game; they weren't exactly troubled. And you know if we can just focus on their opponents a little bit, Dijon, um, they looked again relatively hopeless. I know Rich was saying that this would be an important season for them in that they should get Tavares scoring and, um, you know, a lot of other players should start, you know, picking themselves up and not wait uh, for the great escape until, you know, late April for them to start, you know, racing to secure some points. Um, but they started very, very listlessly. They've 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 had another sort of missed opportunity, uh, a sort of a missed game, a non-performance, um, and now rooted to the spot. Um, after three games, so and to have a Bordeaux side that's still questioning itself um, and questioning its manager as well, with a lot of issues going, uh, you know, behind the scenes as well, uh, for them to come to Dijon and um, even put in a relatively comfortable performance that Souza will be happy with, uh, just says a lot of Dijon's plight. Yeah, Toulouse and Bordeaux both feel like games that slip away from their fingers, and with Angers away next time out, and and. Games yeah. against Nice and Marseille and Nice and look very different by then. It's it's not a great time for them. Uh, the final game, at least of the weekend, that's, that's just been uh, Amiens. What uh, sort of did okay for 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 a time against Nantes, but they they eventually succumbed to allow them 
their first win of the season. Uh, Rich, uh, a good win for them. They needed the points, certainly. Um, it's helped that Amiens got a, an early-ish red card, but um, I don't think they'll mind that they finally got some, some points on the board to show after what was an, an OK performance the week before against Marseille, but they've not really uh, lit any houses on fire, at least yet. Yeah, I think it, it was an important win for Nantes. I mean, you look at the stats of the game and it should have been far, far more comprehensive for Nantes. Um, half an hour in and um, Amiens were down to 10 men. Uh, Debassi, uh, it went to VAR, but it was it was a very clear red card. No, uh, no complaints there. And he will be a big loss because he's quite an important, uh, quite an important figure in their defence. Uh, Nantes just need to, to to improve their finishing because this should have, as I say, this should have been a far bigger uh, winning margin than two one. It should have been far more comprehensive. Uh, Koulibaly, um, Mediabaid, I think was important that he he got an assist. Um, I think he could prove to be a decent signing um, this summer, but he set up Koulibaly with a near post header, and then Moses Simon came on in the in the second half, uh, notched one goal, probably should have had a second. Um, not hit the bar and, and, and Simon managed to, to head the, the rebound also against the bar um, yeah it, it was a scrappy win for Nantes it should have been far better they're going to have to take their chances because um, you know they're, they're, if, they, if they're creating this many and only converting two you know that's not going to that's not going to be enough against most teams uh, for Amiens uh, it's a bit of a come down after last week's win over over Lille um, although of course Lille were down to ten men just as early on as as, as Amiens were this weekend, uh, the the big thing and, and, and as as Angers did this week from last week, the important thing is how you rebound from these these disappointing losses. And Amiens them uh, next week travel to Toulouse, and you have to feel even four games into the season that that is a massive game uh, for both teams. You know, both aren't particularly set in the world alight in terms of their style of play, in terms of creating chances, taking chances. Um, so you feel as though, you know, both teams will be desperate to take three points from that. Yeah, it, it feels like both teams need a good result from that game because it's only going to get harder for them if they can't start um, giving some uh, forward momentum. Uh, just before we, we head into looking ahead at a couple of games, let's go in to uh, our roundup of League 2 and in League 2 uh, Christophe Pellissier's Lorient are, is still uh, first having clinched a 2-1 win over bottom side Le Mans uh, the main story of the weekend however comes from Le Havre who beat Grenoble uh, 3-1 with two more goals from the Zimbabwean striker Tino Calawere. He's the top scorer now with eight goals from five games. It's only his second season at Le Havre, having signed from Swedish side, and I'm about to butcher this, uh, Gardens uh, last year and already scored three more than all of last season. It's a positive start for Paul Lagoon, who many people thought that it has been, but is now second place with the Norman side. Uh, over the weekend in the Division Division Feminine, that, that also has now kicked off. And surprisingly, Lyon is not yet top of the league despite their victory over promoted Marseille 6-0. That's because pa- challengers Paris Saint-Germain won 7-0 at Soyo. Uh, the race for top score is already on um, as Ballon d'Or's um, winner Ada Hedeberg scored two, while last year's top scorer Marie-Antoine 
Katoto scored one for PSG. The other big sides also won in Montpellier, Paris FC and Bordeaux with a goal from their star signing, Khadija Shaw from Jamaica. Okay, looking ahead to league, and there's three games left of this weekend, and we're going to start with probably the more interesting one, given recent news in in Nice, Marseille, and Mo, we've sort of had in the last couple of hours, finally after an, a number of weeks of waiting, and even a, a, a report of a late hitch um, last night that had some people fearing the worst. Um, nice have finally been sold they've been purchased by sir jim radcliffe's ianos um in a reported deal between 100 million and 120 million euros the biggest club acquisition deal in league uh history um it's a big oh we all have, have talked about um jim's obvious wealth and the fact that he can maybe not compete on psg level but at least maybe champions league level it's potentially something that won't be just interested in these last couple of days in the window, but for for a couple of years ahead, if he does give them the investment, we uh, somewhat half expecting at least. Yeah, no, it's uh, obviously an exciting time uh, for these fans, and that um, you know a good tranche of investment is coming in for them. Um, I don't think we'll have any bearing, <laughs> hopefully, on tomorrow <laughs> or Wednesday's game. <laughs> Um, fingers crossed on that. Um, but they're looking like they're going to plug some, you know, big sort of gaps in their squad with a plethora of signings before the window's out uh, later this week um, with you know, a couple of players, Rumo, uh, Claude Maurice from Lorient, Dolberg, Adam Munas from Napoli. Uh, and Stanley and Soki. And, you know, I guess we'll talk about, a bit about them later, but you just, you know, it goes to show sort of the the number of talented youngsters they have um, and curiously there's not been any sort of big words from Ineos from Jim Ratcliffe um, in early promises that Nisa are going to be stratospherically better and are hopefully going to win the championship uh, five years down the line unlike their southern neighbours um, so but it's, it's a good position to be in um, and hopefully it gives uh, you know Patrick Vieira something to work with I think it, the more interesting thing is that, you know, the former directors, uh, Jean-Pierre Riviere and Julien Fournier, who who oversaw a very good period in East history uh, from, say, 2015 onwards to about 2017-18 when they uh, finished in the uh, top three and um, and were pushing, um, you know, sort of produced a couple of interesting results and, and reignited the careers of Hatem Benaf and Mario Balotelli. And also made Valé Germain look into a good striker as well. Um, so, you know, that's that's the key thing for them here. So, obviously, it's a, it's a very, very good time for them. Yeah, and it does make a bit of an interest for for the midweek game, Rich, because Marseille aren't in necessarily the, the strongest position, although they've... they've uh, got themselves at least in a chance of trying to win three points now against a, 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 I suppose an east side that has started relatively well in terms of points available and if anything it's going to be these players now know that their jobs are on the line or they've, they've certainly got the, the means of which to, to replace them should they not perform Yeah I mean from a Marseille perspective it was interesting to hear a few days ago from the, in the sort of pre-match presser that um of Vias Boas again mentioning the fact that there's no money available for players. Now, 
whether there is or there isn't, I, I would strongly suspect that there, there there probably isn't, considering the lack of of, of movement um, since the likes of Benedetto came in. Um, but it, as I think I've mentioned this before. It's it's very worrying from a Marseille perspective. Um, you know, we know that uh, we know that they still need to to improve that squad. There are still, I think, areas in that team that that uh, that that look off the pace, that don't look up to the the level of quality that Marseille need. Um, this will not be an easy game. You know, Nice uh, and the side that Vieira has has developed over his time there are a very organised, very difficult team to break down. You know, they they sort of pride themselves really on that ability to to just grind out those narrow wins. One nil has become the sort of niece speciality. Um, so Marseille are going to need to be at their creative best, at their clinical best, if they're going to get something from this game. Um, I think their only saving grace is that, that Nice are, themselves are not exactly blessed uh, in terms of options going forward. But, you know, Marseille are going to have to create the chances and take the chances. They're going to need Dimitri Payet, for example, playing at his best if they're if they're going to take something from this game because it will not be easy they're not going to necessarily have to to, to rely on on uh you know on a, on some sort of you know lucky lucky break or anything like that they are going to have to take their chances they didn't in in the game against Nantes um they're going to have to in this game they you know they're, they're already at a point when you see how strong a start the likes of Leon have made they they can't afford to be to be dropping points uh, especially to those clubs that look and appear to be direct rivals for for a European spot this season. So uh, it's going to be a, a pretty gritty game. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be one full of the most attractive football in the world. Um, it's it's certainly going to be one for, for fans of quite defensive football, I think. Um, and it could come down to a battle between those two defences and I think, unfortunately for Marseille, I think Nice just about win out if it comes to if it comes down to that. And very quickly, from your perspective, Mel, from from Marseille, it's not been the greatest start of the season. How important is a result in this third game for them to to try and get off the mark in terms of of winning? Because mm. a loss here it keeps them floating around with Neiman, Monaco, and Dijon on on a single point, and that is not how any Marseille fan, despite obviously their lack of funding in terms of building the squad, that it's, it's not how any Marseille fan would have imagined their, yeah. their season starting. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's not just the unwanted record of being the only team that hasn't actually scored a goal yet uh, in the league now that Monaco are off the board. Um, it, it's that um, after you know two really, really poor games um, offensively, we're now entering a period of four difficult games um, in that we're playing um, teams that are conceivably expected to finish anywhere between four and eight. And OM have uh, not a great record uh, against teams in that position. Um, so you've got Nice tomorrow, then Saint-Étienne on Sunday, Monaco next week, and then followed by Montpellier. Um, and so that you know, if OM struggle as they did against Herm and Nantes, um, it will be... You know, it'll turn into from a, 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 a criticised team to a, a team mired in really significant crisis, um, and I'm just hoping that um, that somehow this fixture uh, conjures up, you know, the you know the, the sort of ignites the season as it did in the last two seasons. You you may remember that um, 
the 4-2 win when OM were 2-0 down uh, to Nice in 2017 uh, with Gustavo scoring and uh, Lucas Acambos getting a double, a really, really good comeback all in the first half. Um, sort of set OM on their way to an unbeaten record through the through the winter and on to bigger and better things. And last season, after a demoralising defeat to Lille and Lyon um, and a sort of a, a, you know, a, a straightforward victory against Kong, an away win, a single goal from Morgan Sanson sort of steadied the ship as well. Um, and for, for a brief period, it looked like OM were, were back to uh, sort of winning ways. Um, so I'm hoping that the same effect um, happens tomorrow because I just think that already we're in, you know, the last week of August. There's really no room for error now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it's, it's already getting to that time of Marseille, which <laughs> the fans will be not be happy when they go back home as well if they if they are in that sort of bottom section of the table. But come uh, the end of the midweek, uh, quickly on the other two games, Montpellier and Leon will kick us off on on Tuesday. Rich um, chance for Leon to. Really put down a marker, really. Three points here keeps them three points above Paris Saint-Germain and with Mbappe and Cavani missing for some time, it's... well. The, the, if the door wasn't already slightly ajar, it's it's certainly open now. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Leon will have been uh, and certainly have taken note of of the uh, the incidents from that PSG game and, and uh, you know, as horrible as it sounds from injuries, they'll be buoyed by it. They'll recognise that PSG will now be without two hugely influential, hugely important players. Um, and I think that will only add add to their confidence. You know, they have made such a fantastic start. Um, you know, the football that they have played in those opening two games, particularly in the game against Angers, where they were just relentless. Um, I've, I've sort of made the comparison to them. It, it, it reminded me of the Monaco title winning team, you know, where they were brilliant going forward. You know, they were th- they were a threat across the entire entire team. There was, you know, the, the goals were coming from everywhere, but it was just relentless. They weren't stopping. They were getting to three, and they weren't. They were punishing teams, uh, really putting down putting down that marker. So it's this is obviously going to be a, a tougher game. Um, you know, we know we know Montpellier are not necessarily the easiest of teams to, to to play against. They can be very difficult to break down. Um, saying that, these games are normally entertaining and normally relatively high scoring. Um, you know, Montpellier were, were desperately unlucky not to get a, a, a something from their opening game um, against Rennes. Uh, they failed to pick up three points um, when arguably they should have done against Bordeaux last week. Um, so from from them, they'll they'll want to get off the mark. They they've yet to win a game. They've only scored one goal. They will be wanting to to get off the mark. But it's difficult to see how the sort of I don't want to use the phrase so early in the season and after two days. But there's a feeling of of it's something of a juggernaut. This Leon team, the way that they're playing, you know, they're going to have uh, Rainer Adelaide available, um, which only adds to their attacking options. You know, we've got Husam Awar playing some of the best football of his season. Lucas Tussar has suddenly become, uh, you know, a hugely important attacking presence. Uh, you know, Moussa Dambele is looking a very important, very clinical striker. Memphis Depay is happy um, and, and playing football for fun. Um, you know, the back line, despite having, you know, two new two new players in that back line, again, looks, 
looks pretty settled. So everything seems to be uh, sort of all all, uh, all is in good shape for, for Leon. So the blip will come. You know, there's no hiding behind that. This level of performance won't last forever. Um, but it's really difficult to see how Leon don't come away from from this game without another win. And and certainly in the style of um, style of play that they've been playing this season, again, it could be another really really comfortable win. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes on because Montpellier haven't had the greatest start to the season. And I'll say, I think I was mentioning the other week that. Uh, they tend to get off fast, so the fact that they've gone off a little bit slow is uh, a little troubling in the back of my mind. But Lille Saint-Étienne will also be facing off um, on Wednesday night. Um, Mo, it's promise if, if you said that in the early season, this is one of those uh, real cracking games you should be turning into, and it's probably even more dependent on it now for, for Lille for two reasons, and the fact that they obviously dropped points last weekend, but they've also brought in a new signing in Renato Sanchez a chance for him to shine if he if he is to play any part and a chance for him to pick up his career in, in potentially an ideal place. But a Santetien side that at the same time know how big three points will be to them because it would lift them all the way into sort of second or third place depending on other results. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um first of all the Sanchez signing uh, is a is a prudent move uh, for Lila um and I think we'll be able to slot in nicely in the midfield and reignite his career um, after a somewhat stagnating period uh, in Germany. But I think he did resurrect himself somewhat in the Bundesliga last season. Um, so it's, it's it's a great place for him. Christoph Coltier is a, a great coach. I think well-liked on this pod, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and so, yeah, the, this this has all the trappings of, a, of an interesting fixture. Although one thing I noticed um, is that San Etienne have only won once in Lille and no times in the last decade. So if you're a betting man, I definitely put my money on <laughs> on the hosts. Um, and San Etienne have looked uh, good. Um, you know, they were perhaps caught out last week by, uh, you know, Brest and their resoluteness. Um, but, um, you know, they do have a good squad. They keep adding to that uh, good squad. Um, and it will be a fascinating game, I think, in in seeing Lille's counter-attacking sort of fast pace against uh, the sort of slower creativity patient game offered by the visitors. Um, and in, these are two teams who, who did really well last season, who who are now um, in, in a good place um, um, and on a good trajectory as well. So, yeah, definitely look forward to seeing how, how this game will turn out, whether, um, you know, Lille can continue... Um, you know their their relative good performance and also bounce back from last week's um, misstep. Um, and yeah, I think that I'll put them as favourites. Yeah, it's going to be a really intriguing one because uh, it's an important game for both teams. And it's so early on in the season, it's always great to to see that. Let's quickly go on to some transfers really and transfer news we've already mentioned a little bit about Sanchez it'd be great to see him trying to to re- revive stuff and the, and the moves at Monaco but an interesting one for one of the teams we briefly mentioned uh, Richard in Saint-Étienne uh, Johan Kabay looks to be going there on a on a free deal um, to join his former teammates Ma- uh, Matteo Debussy as well it's a, a low risk move for Saint-Étienne but if Kabay can be the player that we've seen previously it could be a real good addition yeah, I mean, he'll he'll certainly no doubt that he brings experience. Uh, whether he can, uh, you know, whether he can force his way into the starting eleven, I mean, we'll see. Um, 
you know, if if they can get the best from him, yeah, he could be a, a very influential player for them. Uh, they have managed to see Kabayas a little bit further down the line in his career, but they have managed to, um, you know, sort of turn players and bring players back to their best. You only have to look at Jan and Via for for a perfect example of that. Um, I did like the fact that some people have said this sort of feels like it's the sort of starting to look like the French team from sort of 2011, 2012, with with Mvia there, with with Loic Perrin there, with with Debushi there, and 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 now Kabai joining. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting move. It's certainly one I didn't see coming. But you know, he will bring experience. He he's got uh, he's got buckets of that. So. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on on what kind of impact he'll actually have in terms of playing. Yeah, it's a real fascinating move, uh, and on to to someone that's uh, well, maybe more at home uh, on an island. And Fenerbahce sometimes feels like an island in uh, in in Turkey, and that's Adil Rami moving there. Mo, it, it sort of ended incredibly uh, unceremoniously both personal and professional for for Adil last season, really. And uh, um, he heads to Turkey in, in a club that really um, struggled last season, got off to an OK start, at least in, in Turkey. But um, can he make a success of the, this late part of the career or do you think his motivations are sort of lying elsewhere? Well, I don't know. I think he's got a lot to prove um, after a complete non-season at Marseille. Um, you know, as 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 I think we've spoken about previously, he he came back from the World Cup having not played a minute in Russia and thought, you know, that his job was done and that he, you know, sort of the superstar World Cup winner that any team would be lucky to have. Um, and after being, you know, dumped in favour of Shalatasar uh, and Kamara and uh, a half it Rolando towards the end of his career. Um, you know, it's in, and then going, you know, into into lying mode um, and missing the last game of the season to appear on a TV show. Um, it's just it smacks of sort of where his head is and and the shock that he's probably received in that Marseille were, you know, relatively right in um, in cancelling his contract and dismissing him. So he's off to Turkey. Um, Turkey, which I am um, perhaps renowned as a place where players are given a second or third chance, um, might be the right place for him away from the glare of France, um, where his reputation has taken a hit both on the field and off the field. Um, but Fener are a team that are in the ascendancy, are uh, looking to, you know, get back into uh, you know the Champions League and uh, back into challenging uh, the other Istanbul clubs for supremacy. So I don't really understand the thinking there. Uh, we've we've seen other sort of perhaps troublesome players like Emmanuel Adibayo apply their trade is in the lower sort of echelons of the Super League over in Turkey. So I don't, you know, good luck to Fenerbahce is all I can say. Yeah, good luck to uh, any presenters of uh, Fort Boyard or anything like that if uh, if Rami is to, to be on. Uh, go, I'm going to finish with two quick ones. Uh, Rich, uh, Musikonati has been getting interest from here, there and everywhere, and Rangers are the latest to make a reported €10 million Euro bid, which seems a little bit more than they would usually shell out for someone. But um, it's unsettled him a little bit, at least, in terms of he didn't play it the, the weekend. But... Um, if he was to go to Rangers, that'd be a real tremendous signing for them. But at the same time, a great loss for Amiens because where the goals come from? Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's necessarily been quite the same player since his uh, since his injury, which kept him out for some time last season. 
Um, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, if it's just he's he's yet to regain full fitness or not. But I don't think he has quite been the same player. Um, and I think to a degree, Amiens ever so slightly moved on from him. I don't necessarily think he has been the the go-to um, you know automatic starter that he certainly was before his injury. Um, but if if Rangers were to get the move and and you know. Ten million is a, is a, is a lot of money, um, you know. The Celtic were linked with some players at around five million, and that was deemed quite a lot of money. Um, but if if Rangers can get him, I mean, ten million, yes, it's a lot of money. But if they can get him and they can get the Canate from pre-injury, then you know he is a he is a uh, a potent uh, attacking threat. He is a goal scorer. Um, you know, you surround him with better players. Than he arguably might have had at Amiens, then you know you could have a a, a very very good uh, a very very good striker on your hands. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, and to finish off, uh, Juventus um, supposedly reportedly um, approaching uh, Stanley and Soki of, of PSG. Um, Mo, they've nabbed a few French players in the past, Juventus, and they've succeeded. Could this be another one if he was to go through? Yeah, um, it's. It's an interesting one because I thought they were going for uh, Juan Miranda of Barcelona, uh, and I think that's that's fallen through. So go for and soccer was supposed to go to <coughs> Newcastle. Excuse me. Um, it's it's an interesting move for them, but it's for the player it might be a bit of a challenging one because obviously he might be um, second line and third in line uh, behind uh, their starting left back. So it might be a bit of a challenge in sort of asserting himself because he had a good season last year whether he didn't exactly do anything um uh he did sorry he didn't uh sort of sparkle in paris but he had sort of a good platform to grow so it's 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 a challenging one where players think they can just sort of platform onto the big clubs without uh improving first domestically i would have liked to see him gone somewhere else yeah, it's going to be hopeful that he maybe goes somewhere where he probably gets a little bit more game time rather than maybe in an extra uh, squad player for, for Juventus. So that's all from all of us this evening. My thanks to Mo, uh, Rich and all of you listening at home. We'll have the preview show again on Thursday and Pierre Paul will be back to host you next week. Abianto and goodbye. <laughs>